Hi everyone, this is Mike with episode 44 of Getting Everyone Moving, brought to you by Palms of Pines Parasports. Today we have Paralympian Shelby Barron. Hey Shelby. Hi, uh, glad to be here. Thank you. Uh, so tell us how you became involved in uh, adoptive sports. So I actually walked around on crutches and braces until I was about, well, until nine years old when my PE teacher started um, getting concerned that I was a little bit slower than all my classmates and I wasn't able to participate at the same speed um, in PE as all of all the other third graders my age. Um, So she reached out to a adaptive PE specialist, um, Lolly Romano, and Lolly introduced me to a wheelchair for the very first time. And she said that I could use that for sports. And she introduced me actually to a local adaptive player who who played a lot of wheelchair basketball. and, and from there, I, I just started using my wheelchair for sports. I would go to a clinic for wheelchair basketball once a week, as well as um, once a week for tennis. That's great. And then, so were there a lot of opportunities for you to play adaptive sports? You're from Hawaii originally, right? Yes, yeah, so we don't have the strongest adaptive sports program. Um, they, had, they had a pretty hefty program before I was introduced to all the sports and everybody, um, but it kind of started dying down as I started getting really, really into it um, and really invested. So it was, it was pretty difficult some weeks, like we'd have to cancel basketball practice or tennis practice a lot of weeks because we just wouldn't have enough participants or like for tennis, I was the only one showing up a lot of times. Um, And that's really why I kind of shifted my interest over to tennis because for basketball, you need you know, 10 athletes in a wheelchair. And sometimes we, we get the local kids at the wreck and, and throw them in some um, spare wheelchairs that we had and, and get some exercise that way. But, but tennis was, was kind of the sport that I was able to play either by myself or with a coach or family. How about, um, you know, through your high school years, um, were you able to play on the high school tennis team? Did they let you practice with them? Did you just kind of do it on your own? Um, I didn't do it completely on my own. Uh, I actually got involved with a local junior community club team. Um, and <clears throat> the program director and the coach, they were all very um, excited to have me there. They wanted to treat me like um, just like an equal and, and give me the same opportunities. So I was able to progress through that program. I stayed with them until I um, became an adult player. So um probably about eight years, which was really, really good. I had that team environment. Um, And then in high school, I actually, I went to a really big sporting school. So I was not unfortunately good enough to play on my high school team, but I did have a coach there that, that he would volunteer his time and work with me maybe once a week, um, just to, just to try to see how far he could get with me. So that was really, really good. Um, Have your, um, your family members always been supportive of you, you know, participating in sports. Um, are there, have your, how have your friends supported you? I mean, what do you have a real, you obviously you have a real competitive spirit uh, internally. Um, yeah, talk a little bit about that. 
Yeah, so I I love sports, actually. I love, like, the competitive atmosphere, and I love, you know, even being in the the stadium watching, like, my high school football team, basketball, all these different sports. Um, But because I'm from an area that doesn't necessarily have the strongest depth to program, my mom didn't even know that there were those opportunities for me until that adaptive PE specialist showed up and, and started to help me. So my brother was involved in sports. He would, <laughs> even though he didn't like them very much, my mom made him do like soccer, baseball, volleyball, all these different things. And he finally stuck to tennis because uh, it was the one where he didn't have to hit the ball with like any part of his body. He could just use a racket. Um, but yeah, they were very, very supportive. And my mom just tried to give me like any type of after school activity that that she could get her hands on. So I initially was involved in like singing and acting and dancing classes. And that just wasn't, that wasn't my passion. Like I, I went through it, I did it, I, I dedicated myself to it, but it, I just didn't enjoy it. Um, and so when I started playing tennis and basketball, that's when I really realized like, this is, this is what I want to do. Um, and I played a lot of, a lot of instruments as well. I played like the flute, the ukulele, the piano. Um, and yeah, I, I, it would get to a point where I would just stop practicing because I would just show up to my lessons and play. But, but tennis was the one thing that I really wanted to get better at. I, I, I saw a goal and I, I wanted to reach, reach my goals with tennis. Um, and my friends too, they were, they were very supportive. Um, I started competing in high school um, internationally and I would be gone a lot and, you know, they'd all be getting together over the weekends and I'd have to be doing homework or I'd, I'd be going to tournaments or practice, but they'd just support me through it all. They knew I was busy and, and they, they were, they were really supportive and, and that kept me going. Uh, and so you went on to play tennis at the collegiate level as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, how is that? I mean, I know there aren't a lot of collegiate level wheelchair tennis teams or wheelchair basketball teams at this point, um, but how is that and how did that help you to continue in your athletic endeavors? Yeah, so I actually, I heard of a couple of schools that had tennis programs, but there weren't a lot. So I, I applied to Arizona when I was a senior in high school, as well as other colleges that didn't have tennis programs um, in hopes to be able to to start a program or or whatnot. Um, But the costs were just kind of high. They didn't really offer me that much in scholarship or enough um, to be able to cover the cost of living and and to compete and everything at Arizona. So I decided to stay home um, and I attended the University of Hawaii for a couple of years. but the motivation was, it, it was very, very hard for me to keep motivated um, and stay on this like high performance, high performance training track. Um, so I went to this tournament in South Carolina and the, there were two tennis players that were attending that tournament from Alabama. Um, they were both basketball players as well. So they were dual sport athletes. Um, and I knew one of them, she, she was my USA teammate, uh, Mackenzie Solden. And she, the director was there and he said, oh, like, who is this girl? Like she's, he found out that I was in college and he was just really interested. So he began to recruit me. And as soon as he offered me the scholarship, 
um, I just, I just knew I wanted it. And it was a chance for me to, to leave home and just kind of experience like, like the college atmosphere. Um, and so I, I took it, I was their very first tennis scholarship athlete at the University of Alabama, full-time tennis player. Um, and so sometimes my teammates that play basketball as well would, would kind of go off on their own and, and, and go to tournaments for basketball. And I'd be like the only one at practice. Um, but yeah, that was, that was just an incredible experience and I would not change it for the world because that's when I really experienced like the college atmosphere of like balancing classes and sports and waking up early for team lifts and and going to practice. And and it was really, it was really exciting because I, I love being on a schedule. I love having people tell me like, this is how you need to be training. And, and from there, um, I got good enough and I actually received the wild card to go to the Paralympics in 2016. So when you talk about training, how many hours a day are you actually training? Um, so currently I train, I, I graduated um, a couple years ago. I am training probably maybe like eight to 10 hours um, individually. And then I am a volunteer assistant coach. So I also get on court um, with the athletes sometimes and hidden with their practices and, and help provide training for them. But, but it's kind of selfish too, because I'm also using it for my training time as well. So I'm, I'm getting almost 20 hours a week on court. Um, and then also strength training off court as well as um, conditioning and cardio. What are, what are the Paralympics looking like for you, um, you know, this year? Uh, obviously, you're training for last year. It didn't happen. Um, who are some of the, you know, the really great players that you're looking to compete with? Um, so I have not qualified for the Paralympics yet. I am still in the process of trying to compete. And it, it is it is a really weird time right now. I have no idea what tournaments I will be attending. Um, because of COVID and and because I would need to fly and everything. Um, So right now I'm just training to the best of my abilities. I'm trying to remember what the players around my skill level were doing and and how they were playing and then trying to like be the best type of athlete that I can be really. Well, so talk about your experience in 2016 and, you know, your feeling of, I mean, obviously you're an elite athlete. There's no doubt about that, you know, um, but yeah, what was the feeling of, of participating in the Paralympics? It was, it was definitely an experience of a lifetime. It was different than anything I had ever experienced before in my life. And I remember like in, in 2010, when I first attended like this junior camp where I, I met, you know, just a bunch of people around my age, a bunch of juniors in wheelchairs playing the same sport that I did. And that was, that was an, an amazing experience for me to just be able to be surrounded by, by my peers, by people that, that were like me. And then, so then fast forward to 2016, where I'm at the Paralympics, where I'm surrounded by thousands of athletes from all over the world, just, just the top of their sport, of their country, and just amazing athletes all around and I got to meet so many different people um, through that experience. It was just, it was so incredible just to be in that environment and to, to be equal with them and, and, and see that 
hey, like, this is, this is where I belong. This is, I made it. And I, I mean, there's not many more words beyond that, that I can describe this experience. Was this, how early did it become your goal of, you know, participating in the Paralympics? Um, how old were you when you started thinking about, yeah, I can do this? I actually, I, I can pinpoint it to one experience where, again, that junior camp that I went to Mission Viejo, California, um, I met the national tennis coach at the time from the USTA. His name is Dan James. Um, and he just, he saw me play for the first time. I think he had heard of me. Um, one of my biggest supporters in Hawaii always would go up to him and go, there's a tennis player, there's a junior tennis player in Hawaii. So he met me, he, met, he saw how I played and then he came up to me. He wanted to invite me to, to play on the national team and, and compete and, and represent the U.S. Um, in their World Team Cups. Um, and he just, he just painted this picture for me. He was like, just imagine you're, you're wearing red, white, and blue. You've got USA on your back. Um, and then you, you enter the stadium where it's, it's the opening ceremony for the Paralympics. And then you enter the crowd and the whole crowd is just cheering USA, USA. And he just painted it so vividly. And I just remember him describing that moment. And then when I experienced that moment for the very first time in Brazil, they were, they were shouting USA. And I was surrounded by, by all my team USA um, athletes. And they, they're all wearing, we're all wearing this Ralph Lauren, like, polos with the USA painted across the back and it was it was amazing it was like this experience that I had heard about six years prior it was coming coming to fruition kind of and and that was that was really amazing yeah that's incredible well not many people get to experience that so just mm -hmm. incredible mm -hmm. um you know I, I work with a lot of recreational athletes just trying to get them to participate um you know, many times people will say, yeah, I'll come out, but then they don't. And, you know, so what do I do to motivate people? I, I'm wondering how, how do you, you know, motivate people to just try to come out and, you know, and try wheelchair basketball or wheelchair tennis or, I mean, any other sport, what, what do you do? I actually, I have the same problem as you. <laughs> My coach and I started um, this Crimson Community Clinic, and it is just a tennis clinic. Obviously, um, we've had to put it on hold for the winter and for, for COVID reasons, but um, it is very hard. First of all, it's hard to find um, participants, uh, people in wheelchairs in the community that want to play tennis, um, and then it's hard to get them out the very first time because you know, they're not, they're not as committed. They've never been before. Maybe it's scary to, to try a sport. And, and there's like a, a sense of confidence and pride. Like maybe they don't want to be embarrassed by this, this sport, but I, I just try to make it as open as possible. And um, it really helps when you get the experiences of other people that have tried it. Like uh, this one athlete on our team right now, he started off, he had had a spinal cord injury and it took him several months, I think, to come out to his first practice. And then he just fell in love with it. And he is now one of our best competitors on our team. Um, he, it changed his life really. Like he, he got motivated all of a sudden after his injury, he, um, 
wanted to apply to the university and we worked really hard and he worked very hard to go get scholarships. And it's just been, it's been a journey and, and his journey is not anywhere close to being done. Um, but obviously not everybody is going to be in that same boat, but it's just try it once, try it once. If you, if you hate it, don't come ever again, but just do it once and maybe you'll love it. And, or maybe you can even figure out what you want to do past that. Like, I understand that some people don't enjoy tennis. Tennis is hard. Tennis is difficult. It's an individual sport a lot of times, um, but just come out and try it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We just have to continue to be really persistent. I think that's mm-hmm. hopefully that will do it. Get people out to come. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, so there, you know, there aren't that many uh, collegiate uh, adaptive sport programs. Um which I don't understand. I mean, I know part of it is money, uh, but what do you think, what are some of the things that you would do to you know, get more colleges interested in creating uh, these opportunities so that you know, youth who have played their whole lives, no matter what sport it is, are able to continue playing at the college level? I mean, yeah, we're, we're constantly trying to look into this as well. I am on the national committee. Um, I am the subcommittee chair for the collegiate side. And then I'm also a regional provider for, for net generation for youth tennis. And it is really tough. Like we look at the entire junior pathway and we can pinpoint, like we need more juniors. We need just an abundance of juniors, just getting out there and playing and experiencing all sports, not just tennis, um, so that they can choose like which sport they want to participate in and then have, you know, college be the goal. Like not everybody is going to make it to the high level of the Paralympics or maybe college will be their stepping stone. Um, But yeah, we constantly look into this and at the USTA, they're looking at, hey, how can we, how can we, you know, model ourselves like the collegiate track? How can we be involved with the NCAAs or, or, or what can we be doing? But um, right now we're just focusing on the collegiate national championship tournament and we need to be able to, to show everybody. We need to be able to showcase it. Um, we're gonna have maybe five schools out at least this year. Um, and I'm not even sure how many athletes we'll have, which is, which is really great. Like, um, especially during COVID, like we're definitely growing, um, as a pro, as a, as an entity and we need to be able to see it like on social media and post about it and get some great competition out there. And then once schools start experiencing that, maybe they'll, they'll buy into it a little bit more. So you're, you're a real, um, you're an advocate, uh, just by, you know, what you've just described. Um, you know, I know that I've learned a lot of lessons from playing sports my whole life, life lessons. And, you know, part of that is, uh, you know, being assertive, when to be assertive, when to be a leader, uh, when to step back. So what are some of those life lessons that, that you've learned, that you've taken that, you know, you'll you use now and, you know, into the future? I mean, just from sports in general, I really learned so many lessons of how how to be disciplined and how to really work towards goals that you set for yourself, um, uh, as well as being a team player and, and being able to to 
listen to coaches, listen to, to directors and, and, and honestly, like the relationships I've, I've built have really defined who I am today. Um, I wouldn't be on like these committees and, and be a regional provider if it weren't for my coach, Evan Inquis. He, he really showed passion as my coach um, and, and really showed the dedication and everything that he did for our, our team. And so therefore it really motivated me. And so what I would like to be able to do is show the same amount of passion for others so that they will be inspired to keep on growing. Like I'm not going to be we're not going to be able to reach our goals with just like a few people working, working at it. And so we're going to need like a whole team, a whole, whole group to buy into this whole initiative. So I, I just hope to be able to inspire others so that it can create kind of like a, a like a chain reaction um, for everybody to be like really, really interested in this whole, this whole pathway of like junior development, college, Paralympics, everything like that. Um, so Inclusion um, is something that I spend a lot of time thinking about and, you know, how to create more inclusion in society. I mean, on many different levels. Um, what are some of the things that, you know, that you're doing personally and people that you're working with, you know, to create a more inclusive society? I mean, part of it is creating more awareness, of course, but, um, you know, I get frustrated a lot by people not really understanding such things as the difference between special Olympics, you know, and then the adaptive sports, right? For people with physical disability. Um, but yeah, what are some of the things that you think we can do as a society uh, to create more inclusion? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the biggest thing is just awareness and social media can be very, very powerful or very, very destructive. And if we are able to use it, it's an incredible tool. Um, we, can, we can post something and have somebody across the world see our post immediately and learn and interact with it. And so definitely just, just spreading the word of, of what we do and or what kind of dedication we, we put in. Like I am, I'm a full-time tennis athlete and yes, I play in a wheelchair, but it's no different than than what you know, Sarita Williams and Naomi Osaka is, is doing with their training regimes. Um, but it's it's just having people realize that we are athletes and, and we put in the same amount of work that everybody else does. And fortunately, I was able to attend the University of Alabama where we have such a strong sporting um, presence. Uh, everybody, most everybody loves sports in our town, mostly because of football, but but then it goes it goes down. The ranks and, and our program started off as a wheelchair basketball team. Um, and sometimes people will come up to me, they'll see I'm in a wheelchair and they'll, they'll ask me, oh, do you play for the wheelchair basketball team? But but it's starting to change really. Like we we do all these fundraisers, we do all these these events um, where we invite the community, we invite them to come out watch, we do fundraisers, we play tennis with them, we bowl with them. Um, and then all of a sudden they're learning about our program and they're, they're getting excited, they're getting interested and they're, that, then that becomes the inclusion that we need. So we're coming to the end of our interview. Um, what's a final word that you'd like to leave uh, you know, people with, people who are listening um, or watching uh, this podcast? Um, I would just like to to share like the passion that I have for sports. Like I, I really believe that sports are 
are so important and I'm sure like everyone out there realizes the importance of sports for, you know, social, emotional development, but especially for people in wheelchairs um, and adaptive athletes that it's just so great for like your mental health and being able to grow and, and sports has just presented me so many more opportunities than I would have ever realized or dreamt of when I was a kid, um, just walking around in crutches. And I just, I really would just love for sports, adaptive sports, wheelchair sports to just have a really big presence um, in our lives, in our everyday lives. Shelby, thank you so much. You're, you're such an articulate spokesperson. Um, and, you know, we're rooting for you to get to the Paralympics in uh, Tokyo. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me.